Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 40, Best of Wrestling History X. Best of the 1980s. That's right. This show, we're going to cover the best matches that we feel that we've covered so far, but it's covering all of the 1980s. Well, 83. 83 is the first one. But it's like, you know, the the reasonable 80s. The pay-per-views that we have covered. Yeah. Or... We're not throwing any, like, uh, curveballs. Well, actually, here. we are throwing one TV Yeah, TV yeah. We just We justify on. all of our television matches. That's true. We do justify all of, we justify all of our shows. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. And we don't have to justify it to anybody. Well, I mean... Which is to ourselves. To ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We have to justify it to ourselves. Like, should we do that? Sure. sure yeah, yeah. We're like, ugh. Mm. Normally, I say, Matt, is it important? And you say... For, for one reason, and I say, I believe you. Let's do it. Let's do it. And that's why we're doing this show. It's kind of to give us a little bit of a break. Yeah. But just so if you haven't listened to the previous 39 episodes, you kind that's of get an idea of what we're about. Yeah, yeah. And here's like, it's like, oh, like, at least these are some ones you can watch and then pick up. Start with us uh, fresh in 1990. That's right. So I think we should just get right to it all right and do you have this uh worst or least good to best or how what is what is this order matthew we do not have a ranking system on wrestling history x no it's uh i like that i didn't like that it was okay yeah we do everything chronologically on this Mm -hmm. show and so that's what we're doing chronologically and uh from the heart that's right (laughs) so first thing we're gonna go all the way back how back? 1987 to WrestleMania 3. Nothing before in 87. So what we're saying is, you can skip. No, I mean... Well, yeah. here's the thing. Yeah, we're so saying, we're saying before, the best. Cream of the crop. Before WrestleMania 3, we did 10 episodes. WrestleMania 3 was episode 11. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, there's really it's few and far between because we do... There was quite a few. Them. There was three Starcades at this point. Mm-hmm. There, But I think our favorite show that we probably covered in those first 10 episodes... Probably the wrestling classic. Yeah, we did love that show. None of the matches made our top of the list. No, no. But that these are show, mat- like yeah, these are that was a great show. Overall, it's a great show to go and watch. Yeah, it's super enjoyable. But like, not all of these shows that these matches are on that we're going to talk about are the best shows. But no. these matches are all like you can watch them all. You can just go into it, just watch it and enjoy it. Like they don't, you don't need any context for how good these are. Even though we're kind of gonna we're going to give, give you some, some we're going to give you some anyway right now, because the match from WrestleMania three and if you know wrestling at all, you know exactly where we're going. Yeah, if this didn't make the list, then we're just bad wrestling fans. That's true. <laughs> it's Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat for the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, this one is obviously always talked about, and hopefully will be talked about forever. Forever and ever. Uh-huh. I mean, I, this is the match that I believe... Where we became Steamboat Boys. 
Well, we I were think we were Steamboat Boys before. Yeah, but... But like, this is the first match that I think Savage kind of put his name out there as one of the best ever. Yeah, as like, yeah, put a put a, a flashlight on himself. Exactly. What do you remember from Savage and Steamboat? Uh, Savage being the wonderful heel that he is. And Ricky Steamboat... That's re- right, and, he yeah, was being he was, a heel he was, at being a, He was just, yeah, running away, walking on his toes like the toddler. The and then Steamboat really pulling out some stuff that we hadn't seen much of physical wise, physically. Where it looked it was one of the first matches we watched that kind of looked like a modern match. I remember the storyline going into it. The Steamboat had the Savage had hurt Steamboat's throat. Yeah, with the bell. Yeah, with the bell and everything mm-hmm. and that came into play. Yeah. And they had and I think it's probably the best thing that we've ever seen George Animal Steel do was this WrestleMania 3 match. Oh, yeah. But enough of us talking about this match. Let's throw to us talking about this some... match. <laughs> well, That's a horrible th- segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enough about, enough about us. Listen to us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but enough about, about us reminiscing about this match. Let's just throw it back to the actual match. Our ninth match. Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth versus Ricky the Dragon Steam and Steel in his corner for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Almost the story behind this match in the video, Savage brutally injured Steamboat and then Steamboat returned um, to prevent Steel from being injured as bad as he was at the hands of Savage. Yeah, the thing that I was trying not to cut you off is like, why? Like, that Steel's obsessed with Elizabeth, which is like, Part of this story. But shouldn't they have dropped that storyline after WrestleMania 2? Because if he's saving Steel because he was going to hurt him the same way that, you know, he got hurt. And, you know, granted, like, Steel's obviously a, a crazy man. Like, you know, he's his, like, gimmick that he went out there to help the, the, the disenfranchised or whatever. At this point, he's, like, helping a guy that's trying to kidnap a woman. Even if people don't think she should be with Savage because he's overbearing and all of that. But, like, at the same time, like... George Animal is, like, really creepy, so it's weird that the combination of, like, the pure baby of Steamboat. So I was like, ah. and I loved the work that George did here. It's just kind of weird and a, a little unnecessary. I mean, I, I feel like he's almost, like, well, he has a valet, so I guess that Ricky needs a valet? I can almost see it as almost a... Get him on the show? W, well, WWF issue that they didn't have enough good... Baby face mid carters that were over. Yeah. Because who was Savage supposed to be facing while Steamboat was out? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And so they, Steel was still kind of over, so they were like, okay, yeah. so. I'm all like, this is all like Devil's Advocate because, uh, like, spoiler alert. Because obviously, Woo, this is like, good shit. This is WrestleMania 3. By the time, in a couple episodes, we're going to get to Survivor Series. By the time we get to that show, there are multiple babyface title contenders. Yeah. For the IC belt. So there's a there's a healthy mid-card title picture. So, but at this time, I really feel like maybe they were lacking in the, in the mid-card title contenders. Yeah. So... We're, we're building Coco by burying him on exactly. WrestleMania 3. I mean, in a, a bad match. So, Champion was announced first in Macho Man. Foreshadowing? 
And of course, Elizabeth ends up in the wrong place, as she always does. So Macho Man makes sure to grab her and move her, move her to yeah. the right spot. It's it's so goddamn good. Yeah. It's like they found like the like the prettiest, nicest looking lady on the planet and then had like the most intense guy who fucking believes everything that he does. Just oh it's 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 beautiful. So then we get match kind of the match starts. We get those beautiful arm drags by Steamboat to start us off. Uh, Savage tosses Ricky over the turnbuckle all the way to the ground. And Savage just keeps kind of going after the throat. Oh, yeah. Perfect psychology. To the thing that what's, what's so good is that, like, you didn't have to... It's already well known, I guess. But, I mean, that's how it always is when people tend to sell a limb. But, like, this one was just so... He hit him with a fucking bell before. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, like, of course he's going to go for the goddamn throat. Savage's arms end up getting tangled up in the ropes and Steamboat is pounding on Roundy. Savage uh, Irish whips Ricky, but Steamboat comes off with a high crossbody for the two count. Savage then hits a knee to the back and tosses Steamboat over the top rope, but Ricky hangs on, skins the cat, yeah. pulls himself back up and over. Is that called, it's, is skin the cat the correct? That's what they call uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it for sure, but like... They do this more often back then. I would love to see that in like a Desperado match or something. They do it some. Some, yeah. But, but I, I guess I it's think, also... I, I think it was, it's been out, kind of overplayed, especially in Royal Rumbles. Yeah. Through the years, so... But, yeah, I'm talking about like good shit, though. Yeah. Not Royal Rumbles. It's also nice to see a Royal big guy Rumbles do it. I know, that's your favorite pay-per-views. But it's like as soon as he pulls himself back over... Savage clotheslines immediately right back over the rope. We get another knee to the back with a Pearl Harbor attack by Savage on the floor, which sends Ricky over the timekeeper's table and In, the guardrail. Into the chairs, yeah. Over the guardrail, too. Stills helping Ricky back to his feet and back into the ring, where Macho Man immediately tosses Steamboat over the top rope again. Savage hits the top rope double axe handle to the outside and then tosses Steamboat into the ring and delivers another top rope double axe handle. Lots of two counts after using the top rope as a clothesline, an atomic drop, a suplex, a gut wrench suplex by Savage. Uh, Savage hits another atomic drop attempt, or goes for another atomic drop attempt, but Ricky floats over this time and starts to give karate chops to Macho Man. You know, these guys are selling for each other. Like, fucking crazy. They're like, they're already stars, and all they're doing is pushing each other up in in a beautiful thing. It should. Mm-hmm. Savage then goes to clothesline Ricky on the ropes, but Steamboat back body drops Savage over and out to the floor. Ricky Macho Man's head into the apron and goes to the top rope to deliver a leaping karate chop to the head of Savage, where he had to jump over the ref to reach him. Steamboat then covers the three count, but no! The ref sees the foot on the ropes and calls... It's like I was watching it and I got caught up in this shit. Not because this match fucking rules. Because uh, it does. But also, like, it's just, it's like the right, it's a, gr- it's a good camera angle for that kind of move. Steamboat ends up giving some more chops. Fight with Steamboat on the apron. Ricky goes for the sunset flip, but only a two count. We get a small verse double leg hook, another small package, all two counts for Steamboat. Scoop slam, slingshot onto the steel post. Another roll up by Ricky. Still just a two count. Like, is there like 40 fucking pinfalls in this match? I 
think I saw the number at 17. Okay. If you, I mean, like, I was exaggerating, but it's a shitload. Yeah, there's a it's ton. Great. There's tons. Savage into the ropes and pulls him over for another roll-up, two count. Savage then reverses for a roll-up, two count, and the kick out. Savage pulls Steamboat's tights to send him into the steel post shoulder. The Irish whip, but Steamboat reverses, and then Savage reverses it and sends Steamboat into the ref. Ref bump. Macho hits the flying elbow drop, but the ref is still out. Savage goes to the outside, grabs the timekeeper's bell, and goes to climb to the top rope. But George the Animal Steel is there to grab the bell away. Savage kicks Steel and grabs the bell back, goes to the top rope, but this time Steel ends up pushing Macho Man off of the ring. Macho Man gets up, goes to scoop slam Ricky, but Steamboat... And the win! Oh, and, and new. This match is so good. Uh, I've watched this like you came over earlier, and I was watching it for like the third time. That was not the first time. So the fourth time. Fourth time since, since I watched. So the fourth, like including like yeah. So three times since I watched WrestleMania three. But the thing is, is like the animal stuff that I was complaining about before we got into this does pay off in that like both men are still put on. Easily the best match we've watched so far. Episode 11 this is definitely the best match we've ever uh, seen so far. And top of that, they're both sold hard for each other. They both look strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And like, you know, there was enough, like, Randy still does the runaway heel stuff. And Randy's bigger than him, but his heel tactics are negated by, like, you know, why he would have won with heel tactics is negated by... Uh, Steel, you know, having an obsession with Elizabeth, and uh, also, I guess, Randy tried to hit him with a bell. So that's the other connection. I mean, that just continues. The that's story. the connection. It's like they already had this. They probably already had the Steel like storyline with her, be, him being obsessed with Elizabeth, and then they were like, okay, well, you know, what if we combine this and he hits him with a bell a few weeks before WrestleMania three? And like I said, that that was unnecessary. But in the finish of this match, I take it all back. I'm yeah. sorry. I take it all back because Steel played his part, but didn't take over. Didn't take away from. Yeah, what was I happening. mean, he was more present than Elizabeth because we don't want to see Elizabeth get slammed. She no. would break like the fuck, like, goddamn toothpick. But but yeah, Steel. Steel's a great fucking actor. Well, that was a hoot. That was so much fun. <laughs> Can you believe that the next match on our list is from Survivor Series? Us liking a so, so match from Survivor Series? It's crazy. This one was from 87, and it was... Team Sherry versus Team Mula. It was our first experience of the Jumping Bomb Angels. And unfortunately, we've only had a couple of experiences with them. Only a couple. And yeah. we're going to talk about the other one. Here in a minute as well. Yeah, that's, we, how much we, we, we like, that's how much we love the Jumping Bomb Angels. You know what we should do, potentially, is watch some of their Japanese stuff and maybe do like a, a, a Jumping Bomb Angels retrospective episode for ourselves because I think we'd have fun doing it. I think that's a perfect <laughs> thing for a house show. If you think it's a perfect thing for a house show, email us or Twitter. You know, tweet at us. Let yeah. us know if, what you think about a Jumping Bomb Angels retrospective show. Why not? There can't be that. I mean, there might be a lot of Japanese stuff, but we can find the good ones, the, the, the big ones, the important ones. I bet we could. 
But this match at Survivor Series 87, like we said, we're not huge fans of the old Survivor Series. No, can't say that I am. But some of the moves that were done in this match by not just the Jumping Bomb Angels, but also by Velvet McIntyre for Team Moolah. The head scissor party? The Hurricanes, head scissors, like... Some of these moves that they were doing were a good 10 to 15 years before their time. At least their time in like televised U.S. wrestling. Yes. <laughs> if I'm you sure go they're down, probably go, doing yeah, them in Japan. If you go down, yeah, if you go down to like Mexico or uh, over to Japan, you see, I'm sure, lots of that. But, or at least more of it, for sure. But let's go ahead and hear about that Survivor Series match. Take it away, guys. So we get our second match. It's our women's match. It's Team Sherry, which is Sensational Sherry, mm-hmm. which most people remember as the valet for like Ted DiBiase and Shawn yeah. Michaels at different times. But yeah, Ted's not, Ted actually, hasn't showed up yet. She was actually a wrestler. Yeah. And she was the women's champion at this time, too. And she's not that bad. No, she wasn't. Uh, we'll get to some Ted later. The Glamour Girls, which is Judy Martin and Leilani Kai. We've seen uh, Leilani Kai. We have. Don Marie, but not the ECW Don Marie that everyone's thinking right now. And much older lady. And then Donna Cristianello, which is an even older lady. Yeah, Donna Cristianello looks like uh, like if I lived in like an Italian borough and I was dating like a 30-year-old woman. Her grandmother? No, no. Like It'd be her mom, but her mom had her when she was like 30 and then spent a decade teaching her how to spaghetti really well. And Jimmy Hart is in their corner as he's the manager for the Glamour Girls. And they're facing off against Team Moolah, which is Fabulous Moolah, Velvet McIntyre, Rockin' Robin, and the Jumping Bomb Angels of Izuki Yamazaki and Norio Tatino. Okay. And I just said those names, and I hope I got it right, because guess who never said their names? They, yeah, they said one of their names once, the first name of one of them once, but I have it in there. So in they my said, notes... They said Izuki, yeah, one they time. literally said yeah. it... One time. One time. And the thing is, is like, I am pretty good at pronouncing uh, like Japanese names. I watch a lot of NJPW. I've fucking... Uh, I've read manga. I get it. But they don't give them names. They give Izuki one, so... In my notes, this sounds terrible, but I'm not this kind of guy. But I have like Jap one and Jap two because I didn't know what else to write, which is well, shitty. But I wanted to know their names. I was a little bit better, and I like I figured out they said Izuki for one of them. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so that's Izuki. They never said the other one, so I just started writing OJBA. Okay, so is it other, Jap- other, other Japanese other Japanese bomb angel? So is uh, Izuki the one in the striped, or is she the one in the solid black? Izuki was the one the solid the, black with the little pink bow in the stripes. Okay, yes. and Noreno was the one in the all black. All right. Uh, either way, we're talking about them this much because they fucking matter. But first, Donna Cristianello is actually a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. So we talk shit on her, but she actually is a Hall of Famer. The best spaghetti recipe <laughs> in WrestleMania 3. And then Sensational Sherry is actually a member of the Professional Wrestling and WWE Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, I figured that, because uh, I know the name. Now, Finkel starts announcing this match, and there are boos coming Wait, from I think crowd. that I saw that the, 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 the Jumping Bomb Angels may have been, uh, like, maybe last year. 
Not that I saw. Really? I might look it up while we're talking, but... And, like like we said, Finkel didn't even attempt the Bomb Angels' names. No, you said, they just say the Jumping Bomb Angels, and I think Gorilla says... Either, it's either yeah, Gorilla, it's gorilla it's Gorilla. Who's, gorilla who yeah. says it's Zuki. He says it's Zuki, and it's like, they're obviously like, I can't, my mouth doesn't move and like that's, this. That's, that was all we got. Rock and Robin has two wrestling brothers. Bring it on me, because they said Rock and Robin. I didn't even get a last name. Sam Houston. Ah, uh, that's my boy. And Jake Roberts. I was going to say, like, yeah, if she's Sam Houston's brother, she's Jake Roberts' brother. And then... Also, when they, when they Sam announced... Houston, uh, at one point, or m- maybe still, but probably not, uh, married to Baby, Baby Doll. Doll. Yeah. Yep. We've talked about that, but, you know. A few times. As they're announcing Mula, they actually announce her weight, and then Gorilla and Jesse like, start talking about her weight, and I'm just like, wow, like, we're talking about a woman's weight. I think that it's fine to talk about a, a woman's weight. Like, it's... When it comes to sport, then I think that it's totally fine. It's different if you're, like, ribbing or making fun of them for it. But, like, you know, if a girl that weighs 115 pounds is wrestling a girl that weighs 150 pounds, I feel like it's okay to note in a match. But as far as a sport goes, not, you know, being like, yeah, not to rib them for the way they look or them being, like, heavier. Because I, like, you know... Keep it, keep it equal. Just don't be shitty. So Sherry sneak attacks Velvet to start the match, and Velvet hits a running crossbody on Sherry. I have a few themes of this match, and crossbodies is one of them. Yeah. Sherry then tags in Christianello, and Mula helps her into the ring by grabbing the hair, which is another theme of this match. Yeah. Well, they like, in, like it was literally like these women had like four moves, and they just kept doing them. But there's some really good moves. Over. And over again. We'll get to those. Velvet then hits a drop kick, scoop slam, and then a step up straddle into a hurricanrana pin. Dude, like she for the three counts. She crawls up on some necks a few times. Like yes. it's not like a step up like in Zaguri where it's like a kick. She like seriously like crawls to put the to put herself in, you know, for wrestling Twitter fans, a one wing angel situation, but then she turns it into a hurricanrana. And it's Looks great. It looked great. Velvet McIntyre. Goddamn. Yes. And this eliminates Donna Christianella. Kai jumps in and then attacks Velvet. And then we see a crossbody by Robin on Kai. Robin hits a clothesline and then a running crossbody on Don Marie. Like I said, I told you crossbodies were a thing. Yeah. And then makes the cover for the three count. And Don Marie is eliminated. I had a hard time... Picking out uh, Judy and Leilani because, like, Leilani has dyed her hair all crazy. And they have, like, the same suit on. And they have both have, like, weird blonde dyed hair that's curly. It was tough, but, I mean, I just usually followed what Gorilla was saying. Yeah. And he, he made sure to say their names plenty. Yeah. Then it's I, like, I, know who they, I knew who these people are. Uh, Itzuki comes in and... I, I hope that I don't have the two jumping bomb angels mixed up. Okay, is, is, is it Zuki the one that uh, wore all black? No, I think she's the one that said, wore the, the stripes. Okay, the, the one that wore stripes is like taller and uh, and like thinner, and then one in all black. Was was a little a, bit yeah, she was shorter. Curvier. She was shorter, and like she was uh, definitely thicker. Like I did, would not want to be kicked by her. But she gets in the ring and she bridges out of a pin attempt. And, and it looks hits, fucking awesome. And then hits a sunset flip 
and then a flying body scissors pin attempt. Literally, some of these moves are 15 years before their time. They so are. We then hit, get a high knee and a crossbody by Izuki. And then Tatiano does a top rope arm drag on Kai, which that was super cool. Tatiano hits a double underhook suplex on Sherry, which there ends up being quite a few of these double underhooks suplexes yeah. as well. I mean, there's like, I feel like at this point, like, I like, was like later on, I even, was like, yeah. when this move first happened, I was like, huh. oh, wow, that's super cool. And then yeah. there was like two or three more, and I was like, yeah. oh. Well, even in like the, I feel like it's in the men's matches, or maybe like, I feel like I've seen a lot of the same suplexes yeah. throughout the evening. Robin then hits a monkey flip on Kai. And then Sherry hits a scoop slam and a vertical suplex for the three count. And Robin is eliminated. Izuki then hits two drop kicks on Sherry. And Martin throws Izuki halfway across the ring by her hair. Jesse throws in a line, maybe they should shave their hair so that wouldn't happen. But that's, I, 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 have, I have that as well. It makes zero sense because there's like, King Kong Bundy's like the only one without hair that's like everyone else, you can grab their hair. Like Rowdy Roddy Piper, you can grab his hair. Rick Martel, you can grab his hair. They all have long enough hair where you can totally grab it, and they do it all the time. Back men, off, men, Jesse. But that's the thing: men just don't grab each other's hair. I think that but it ha- women's matches they do it all the time. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's why these women's matches look a little bit meaner sometimes. Sometimes we then get a spinning flying crossbody by Velvet on Martin. And then Velvet slingshots Kai across the ring. There's a lot of slingshots. Like I said. Throughout the whole show. They know like five moves. Moolah gets tagged in and someone finally gets a crowd reaction in this match. (sighs) Yeah, which is bullshit. I know. With all the cool stuff that Velvet and the Jumping Bomb Angels are doing. Yeah, Velvet and Jumping Bomb Angels. uh, I I popped. I popped for Izuki stuff. Yeah, I'm going to break kayfabe at the moment. But watch this fucking match. I know. It's fucking cool. It's great. It's a totally worthy 20 minutes of your time. Martin then tosses Azuki into the wrong corner, allowing the tag, and then Martin helps Mula into the ring by grabbing her by the hair. Again, this happens many, many times in this match. Mula then hits a forearm, a scoop slam, a snapmare, and a headlock takeover. Martin sends Mula into the ropes, grabs Kai's arm on the apron, and the Glamour Girls hit Mula with a double clothesline. Martin then covers for the three count, and Mula is eliminated. Which is pretty surprising, and I appreciated it. Velvet has Martin in a Boston Crab, and then goes to put her in a surfboard, but it was too close to the ropes and had it's to pronounced, break the hold. Uh, surfboard. Sherry with the big leg drop, and then a side suplex on Velvet. Kai then hits a double underhook suplex on Tatiano, and goes for the pin. But Tatiano bridges up onto her head, but all of a sudden the bell rings. This is our second second bridge of the night. Yeah. It's like bridge the 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 weird like we've all seen it before, but the like pin bridge slide out thing. I don't know yeah. how to describe it, but it's always cool. The ref waves off the bell ring because no one knows why because no one is eliminated at this point, and then we get a gel, uh, velvet giant swings sherry. And then Velvet is Irish whipped in the corner where she jumps onto the second rope and then her Karana pins Sherry. 
for the three count. Is that you mean the like she does the the giant swing? It's like the airplane. Is it called an airplane swing? What is it? Yeah, the airplane like, swing. Yeah, like we say Cesaro, giant swing, but Cesaro like does. I was not ready for it, and I loved it in this match. But she grabs her by the legs, and she doesn't, you know, go full like fifteen no, times. No, she goes like twice. Yeah, it's like it's like probably two and a half, three. But then she throws her, and you know, she fucking throws her. <laughs> she yeah. wasn't ready. It was not a back a flat back bump. Tatiano then hits the sunset flip on Martin, and Izuki hits a double underhook suplex on Martin. Then a sunset flip by Velvet on Kai, and then attempts the Hurricanrana again, but Kai holds on, drops her into the ropes for a slingshot back suplex. Uh, This match has some fucking weird spots. Was that the other spot where uh, Velvet crawled up on her neck? Yes. Oh, yeah. this, This match is worth your time. Kai then makes the pin, and Velvet is eliminated. Which I say, because fucking A, Velvet McIntyre. But we got oh, the jumping bomb. Wait, are we calling, have you been calling her McIntyre? No, I've just been calling her Velvet. Okay. Because I wrote Velvet Sky, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like an impact girl. Yeah, it's an impact girl. Yeah. Or a ring of honor girl now. So we have the Jumping Bomb Angels versus the Glamour Girls, and that's all that's left in this match. And it rules, and I'm ready for that tag match. So Jumping Bomb Angels hits lots of stereo and double-team maneuvers. We get Kai going up to the top rope for a scoop after a scoop slam, but misses the splash on Izuki. Tatiano hits a flying crossbody off the top rope and pins Kai, and Kai is eliminated. Tatiano then hits a scoop slam and then a top rope knee drop by Izuki on Martin... And then a double back body drop by the Jumping Bomb Angels. Jimmy Hart jumps up on the apron, apron and Tatiano drop kicks him off. Fucking yes. Izuki with a top rope clothesline on Martin to get the pin and the win. Our Jumping Bomb Angels are the survivors. One spot that we didn't talk about was there's... It's probably the only spot that I was like, eh. I mean, it was fun because it was weird. But uh, I really, really like this match a lot. Not just because of the Bomb Angels. I think there were, uh, was some really good performances in here. But, not Izuki, but we don't know her name. They didn't even say it. So, me not knowing it is fine. But the... Let me say it again for yeah, you. I, mean, I can read it. It's whatever. Zuki Yamazaki. No, the other one. She was the one no, in Stripes. No, Norio... No, that, Izuki was the one in Stripes. No, I'm talking about the one that wasn't in Stripes. Oh. Uh, Norio Tatiano. Tatiano... Uh, which does not sound very Japanese, but uh, she has a weird like ground like leg spot on somebody where she kind of basically is on the ground and does like a like humping thing. It's you don't remember this? It's very bizarre oh, and like know. it's. I think it's the only like spot in the match where I'm like, uh, wait, huh? it's definitely the only like, and it's not bad as much as it's pretty weird. I was just surprised that we didn't talk about it because like, I thought it was earlier on, but I was like, oh, maybe it's at the end. I'm sure that there's probably a gif of, of it online because it's <laughs> pretty bizarre. But she's basically, like, it's like a face-to-face, like, leg lock thing, and then she just kind of, like, thrusts, like, pelvic thrusts herself up to, like, mul- like multiple times in succession yeah. to, I guess, crank the other girl's back. It's mm. very bizarre. I just probably... Missed it while I was writing notes about all the other cool shit that they did. Yeah, they, yeah. there's like so much cool shit in this match, and I can't... Yeah, this is the best women's match we've had so far. Yes. And like, 
holy shit, Velvet McIntyre, you're great. Holy shit. Jumping Bomb Angels. Jumping Bomb Angels. I'm sure in Japan you have another name and are goddamn stars, but here you are the Jumping Bomb Angels, and uh, if I can find your Japanese matches on the internet, I will be there. What a finish to this match. The pin, which leads us right into our second Jumping Bomb Angels match at Royal Rumble 1988. Because of the pin that the Jumping Jumping Bomb Angels pinned the Glamour Girls, Mm -hmm. they got a title match in a two out of three falls match. This time I think that they might have taken the time to learn the Jumping Bomb Angels' names, if I remember correctly. I Maybe. believe Vince does say their names. I think that it was pretty embarrassing. Middle, in the <laughs> middle of the match. Yeah, yeah. Somebody writes it on a piece of paper and like slides it to him, I imagine. Because like, the first match, of course, they... They never say their yeah. names. They're just like... JBA1 and JBA2. JBA1 and JBA2. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Once again, still some of the moves that they're doing... A lot of them they did in the first match as well. But we couldn't get enough. We couldn't. And we got more of it because it's two out of three falls. It's just them. And it's not a Survivor Series match. Exactly. So not everyone had to get their shit in, basically. And that's kind of the end of the Jumping Bomb Angels for us. Right? It unfortunately is because after this match, the Women's Tag Team Championship kind of only sticks around for a few more months. And then it's deactivated. So it's a sad time. But at the same time... I'm glad we got our Jumping Bomb Angels matches. Yeah, I believe that one of them owned like a steakhouse in New York. I remember doing some research after watching these matches. And, uh, you know, maybe she's still up there in New York serving up steaks. She just might be. Let's find out what we thought of it back then. <laughs> we got the second match. Glamour Girls, consisting of Judy Martin and Leilani Kai with Jimmy Hart, versus... The Jumping Bomb Angels. Uh, red and pink. Norio Tatino <laughs> and Itsuki Yamasaki. Uh, yeah. In a two out of three falls match for the WWF Women's well, is it, is Tag it, Team Championship. Is it also an elimination? No. It's not? Okay. No. I'm getting something else twisted. So the story behind this match was that the Jumping Bomb Angels had pinned the Glamour Girls at Survivor Series. Which uh, and... We- we raved about that. If you have not, match. if you haven't watched that match, go back and watch that match. Yeah. Like, just go back and watch that match. That you don't match. like Survivor Series is fine. It's not great. It's, it's not. not it's not awful. But that match is great. Is important. And then after the show, they signed a contract to face them at, here at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. So the champs are already in the ring, and the challengers get an entrance. I know. Well, I don't know foreshadowing. If we're only lucky. Howard Finkel still doesn't attempt to say the Bomb Angels names. No, and that's a running joke through the sh- through the through the match that I really appreciated. So, so the Jumping Bomb Angels start off with a double drop kick on the Glamour Girls, and then we get Kai Irish whipping Norio right into Martin's knee. We get a slam and a pin attempt by Martin, but Norio bridges out, and then a schoolgirl pin attempt by Tatiana. There's also, um, I believe it was. Red does like a Okada like Okada style like shotgun drop kick. Yeah. It was really nice to see at that time. Itzuki Irish whips Martin, then does a tumbling headbutt, and then picks Martin up into a pile driver position, but drops her with a side suplex. Jesse then asks what the names of the jumping bomb angels are. And Vince has no Vince, idea. Vince says, Unfortunately I don't speak Japanese all that well. All that well. 
You don't have to speak Japanese to say names. No, that's true. I have friends that can't like say things. That can't even say Japanese names. They're like, and they say it, and it's really funny. It's like they can't even say the name. It's kind of like a good example is like the famous comic book, like Akira, is what everybody calls it, but like it's Akira. <laughs> it's like that's how you, that's that's the correct pronunci- pronunciation. It's Akira in English. It's Akira. So Vince is going to go with pink and red, as you mentioned earlier. So we get a flying body press by Pink, Norio, but Martin catches her and slams her. Martin then attempts a running elbow drop, but Tatino moves, and then we get a missile drop kick by Izuki on Kai, and then an octopus hold. These girls are so fucking good. It's kind of upsetting how good they are. Yeah. Martin comes in and ends up kicking Kai, which brings in Norio, who gives Martin a drop kick. And And the jumping bomb angels lock in stereo figure fours onto the glamour girls. Izuki then hits a double leg drop onto the thighs of Kai a couple of times, which is a move, like, even Jesse mentions yeah. that, like, he had never seen a move like this before. Well, what's crazy is the commentary team is, like, so over for, like, both of them together, which, like, the whole idea is, like, face heel, like, Vince is the straight guy and Jesse's the heel, but, like, but, Jesse but, but, but they're, the both, they're both putting over the Jumping Bomb Angels, because yeah. how could you not? Jumping Bomb Angels continue to work on Kai's legs for a little bit, and then Kai begins crawling to her corner when Martin comes in to pull her, but the Jumping Bomb Angels are trying to pull her back to their corner. Yeah. And we kind of get the tug of war. Using, oh, yeah. We using, get the shotgun. Uh, this is the shotgun spot? The Kai, using Kai, which lifts Kai up into the air and dropped face first. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, it's basically like slingshot her. Once Kai gets out of the ring, once she tags out, Jimmy Hart comes over and starts rubbing her leg to help get circulation yeah, back in. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what Jimmy Hart was doing. Yeah, exactly. Little skis. Uh, Martin then Irish whips Suzuki into the corner, but rushes in, and but Yamazuki goes to kick her, but Judy catches and pulls her off for almost like a powerbomb move. It's kind of it was it was weird. There's a lot of stuff in this match that's like stuff you've like almost seen before, but yeah. somehow kind of different. We then get a leapfrog by Suzuki, but Kai hits a kick to the back from the outside, and then Martin then hits an alley oop powerbomb for the three count. The Glamour Girl, we we go to a commercial at this yeah. point because they take a commercial in between. The well, there's there's which, a which yeah. I thought was actually smart. That I think that's probably the reason why they made this a two out of three falls match because then they could take a, a break commercial yeah. break in between each fall. Yeah. So, I, so this I was, was so this was live. It wasn't yeah, like the next day live. or something. It okay. was live. That's so cool. I was very appreciative of, of yeah, because I was trying to figure out if it was live. I like as soon as I saw commercial breaks, I knew, and when they were throwing into commercials, I knew it wasn't like a technical pay per view. So the Glamour Girls obviously take the first fall. Jimmy Hart jumps in the ring, starts to celebrate and hug his girls. And when we come back from commercial, the match kind of already started. By the time we've come back, we see Izuki bridge out of another pin attempt. Oh, those diving those, those bridges are good. They're good. Yeah, they're great. You see that stuff in like basically. In, like, kind of, like, juniors, ma- ma- male and female juniors at this point. Yeah. Like, currently. We get a scoop slam and then a splash attempt by Kai, but Izuki moves. With, and then it hits a drop kick and a leaping clothesline to put Kai down. Tatino goes to the top rope for a diving crossbody. Vince finally says the Jumping Bomb Angel's names. Oh, okay. Because you already said us. I was like, oh, he said their names now. And Jesse says, Tatino sounds Italian to him. <laughs> There's a there's one kind of bocce spot where there's like a, like red does like a sunset I think. The jumping bomb angels give a double team suplex to Kai, 
and then Martin comes into the ring, and we get stereo Irish whips from the angels, which are reversed, but then the angels stop from hitting each other. So good. So the Glamour Girls go for a stereo clothesline, but the angels duck, and the Glamour Girls hit each other. It's so good. What kind of storytelling is that? Is that the good kind? It's very good. <laughs> Martin then picks Izuki up, but she rolls over for a sunset flip and gets the three count. Yeah. So we're tied at one count for each. Is that the, there was a there was a weird kind of like fluffy botch, but it's okay. So we come back in for commercial. Jumping Bomb Angel start off with a double with some double team knees and clotheslines. Izuki hits an enziguri, which Jesse and Vince don't call it an enziguri. No. It's just like a kick to the head. That's the thing I want to bring up later. Kai throws Tatino into the corner and charges in after, but Norio leapfrogs and pulls Kai down for a backslide pin attempt. Leilani rolls through. Kai catapults Tatino towards her corner, followed by a double underhook suplex, and goes for the pin, but only a two count. But that double underhook, then. It's good. Kai Irish whips Tatino and goes for an elbow, but Norio blocks it. And then we got Kai throwing wild punches, but Tatino ducks them, grabs the Lonnie, and drops her with a reverse underhook face buster. These women. was an amazing move. These fucking, these goddamn women. Izuki with a scoop slam, followed by a Tatino top rope knee drop, and then Tatino hits the double underhook suplex for a three, for a two count, sorry. Izuki then hits a scoop slam and goes to the top rope, but misses a senton bomb when Martin moves. Oh, that senton, like... Top rope senton. Tatino then hits a diving clothesline and goes for the pin, but Kai breaks it up. And as the ref is getting Kai out of the ring, the jumping bomb angels hit stereo top rope drop kicks on Barton, and Tatino gets the pin and And the the win. win. And And new. Goddamn. So good. I was thinking, like, I was like, man, why is there not just a, like, black and white t-shirt of, like, the stereo drop kicks? Is that our next next T-shirt? We're just gonna like I just like it's probably hard to find a like solid image of it, but like probably. God damn, how many is the, is there zero jumping bomb angel matches I, after this? Did they just like I, lose them on the road. Does nobody I don't remember? Even think they lose them at WrestleMania. I think they lose them just on in a house show, and yeah. then they basically the yeah they're like yo disappear. we're gonna go back home. Yeah, the titles just disappear uh, until it's insane. I, yeah, until until yeah until until the year we are living. Yeah, Jesus Christ, this match is in. A, a, a blessing. Great. It was great. And after the match, Jesse points out that the Golden Girl had a shoulder up, and they show they like at this at this point they do the replay because like the the production quality is just getting good. It's getting good. He's right, and I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks because it's like ah, uh. I and mean, it sucks because I want the Jumping Bomb Angels to have a clean win. See, I didn't see this at all. So and it I, probably just... and it probably sucks because we probably won't get another match. But I don't know. I try not to look too far ahead because I like to be surprised. 95% sure this is the last Drunk Big Bomb Angels match we'll ever see. Yeah, I mean, that we'll see in the WBF. That we'll ever see. Yeah, outside of me watching, like, looking well, behind yeah, me. Well, I, I mean, in Japan, I think they had a different name for their tag Probably. team. but That was a fabulous match that was just on TV and not on pay-per-view because Royal Rumble was not yet. The first Royal Rumble was... Oh, yeah, not yeah. A, they were doing not a pay-per-view. It was going against... The Bunkhouse Stampede. Uh, was the bu- Bunkhouse was a pay-per-view or was it on TV Bunk as well? Bunkhouse Stampede was a, was a pay-per-view. Oof, how, how bummed would you be if you paid for that? Um, since it was a Cleveland steamer. 
Very <laughs> bummed. Very, very bummed. Uh, did it take place in Cleveland? No, oh, it did okay. not. It was, it was probably like Atlanta or... But also along the lines of the TV show being on the same night as a pay-per-view. Weekend Weekend Wars of the 1980s. Yeah, weekend Wars of the 1980s. <laughs> NWA and WCW ran Clash of the Champions 1 mm-hmm. on the same night as WrestleMania 4. And for the main event of that show, we had Sting versus Flair. And was it a doozy? 45 minutes of amazing. Like, I, there's not as many long matches at this point in time, unless it's a flair match. But they yeah. always deliver. They are always very, very good. They always they always, always deliver, and it's just one of those things. This show could almost be just every flair match ranked from our liking, but we don't rank here. We don't rank. Yeah. Even though you do bring this match up quite often when talking about other flare matches. Yeah. I so I think this might be your favorite flare match. Maybe. If I just, you know, I was about to lay out some cards, turn, but that's for a later later show. This match does go the distance? The distance. Is the distance 60 minutes or less than 60 minutes? It's not minutes? quite 60 minutes. It's just a hair over 45. Just a hair over 45. <laughs> but every single bit of it Everything matters. Everything There's like does. no spinning wheels, which is, but, I think, one of the things about a flare match is like even the moments where you would, if somebody else was doing it, you would think they're spinning wheels to like fill out time or whatever. Like everything he does pays off. Correct. Like, like oh, and, yes. and, and, and the other, and then whoever his other opponent is in this match, of course, Sting, everything absolutely pays off. Everything pays off. It's crazy. Let's go ahead and go to the recording of that. Oh, there we go. So the fifth match, we got Sting versus Ric Flair with J.J. Dillon for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And J.J. Dillon's going to be suspended in a cage high above the ring. Because it wouldn't be an NWA show if there wasn't a man in a cage, a bad man in a cage. Let's put a shark in the cage. (laughs) Or dip him into a a, shark tank. tank, Yeah, That sounds more fun. Mm -hmm. So... We normally do not talk before these shows, before we talk on air about these shows. Yeah, we try not to. But literally, I sent Michael a text and was like, I want you, at this point, before you start the match, I want you to write down... Oh, I did it at the beginning of the show, so, like, I think my... It would have changed, but, like, as the show progressed, I think I would have had a different guess. So, I basically asked him... Give me a prediction of what you think will happen in the Sting Flare match. Yeah, and I just said I was like I was like, why is he asking that? I was like, it's on TV and the smart thing for them to do if they want people to watch this or to like start watching their new show that this is like setting up, mm-hmm. uh, then you put the belt on a white hot young handsome Sting. So I was like, well, maybe a Sting win. That would that would make sense to me, but it's also, you know, it's NWA, so like, there's always a heel with that belt. But that seems like the smart thing to do, right? Seems like the smart thing. So that was my guess. But as the show went on, I uh, changed my prediction. What did you change it to? Well, I don't know. Should I give it away? You should give me your prediction. My prediction? JR, not so subtly, uh, kept talking about how if they have extra time, they have some matches uh, in the chamber. 
like literally as soon as like Tom Miller started giving the rules, I was just like, like uh, why? Like we made a big deal about mentioning the time limit. Yes. And we made a big, big deal, deal about the judges. They didn't need to be telling us we have extra matches and stuff like that, and then it would have been a bigger surprise. And I was but just I mean, like, it, back then it was probably a surprise because, but because we're watching this, you know. I mean, they're watching, later. they're watching it live, so they don't yeah. know. There's probably not a there's not a TV guy telling you, oh, this show's going to go off at this time. Yeah, you know? but just like, you know, I mean, I'm sure if I was, you know, 30 years old and watching it in 88, I probably wouldn't, probably would have been a bit more surprising. But yeah. just knowing what we know now, like, you know, all the wrestling that's happened since then, so it's if you really... Ha- so if you haven't figured out yeah. what's going to happen, we're going to go through it right now. All right. So the crowd yells the "woo" with flair, and then but then yells even mm. louder with the sting scream. After a test of strength that has Sting in control, Flair with a chop that just fires Sting up to give an arm drag and a drop kick that makes Flair roll to the outside to regroup. Flair back inside the ring, running the ropes, and Sting with a pair of leapfrogs and then a press slam, and then Sting jumps up and gets a head scissors takedown on Flair. And we have 40 minutes left. <laughs> also, uh, Herb is uh, and is barely barely watching the match, and he's just, uh, him and Patty Moeners chatting it up this whole match. If you were Jason Hervey and sitting next to a penthouse pet, wouldn't yeah. you be chatting her up too? Jason Hervey doesn't give a shit about Sting. <laughs> we'll find out maybe <laughs> why here in a little bit. <laughs> Sting puts a headlock on, and you can see a red spot on Sting's chest where Flair keeps hitting his chops. Yeah. Like, not quite busted open, but just like, like the knuckle prints and everything. It's kind of cool. Uh, more arm drags and a drop kick from Sting, and we get the flare flop. Flare tosses Sting through the ropes, but as quick as he went out, he was back in. Sting got Flare in the corner and starts giving right hands and a snapmare into a headlock. And JR says a line here, I bet Patty Mullen is used to seeing such action, but this is real action. <laughs> And I was like, this okay, is JR. two shows in a row, JR, <laughs> yeah. that you've made a very inappropriate sex joke. And I don't think you meant it as a sex joke. <laughs> yeah. Flair then keeps rolling Sting over from the headlock into a pin because he has a grip on the tides. Keeps getting like a one or two count, but finally the ref sees the grip on the tides and makes him break it. And we have 35 minutes left. Yeah, I mean, Sting Fl- looks like a goddamn god. Is this like, so it's, awesome. Also, why would they put make? Why why did Sting wear makeup on his face if he was like that handsome? It's like this is this is silly. It's just a gimmick at the time. I know, but he's like, I cover that face. It's not like, yeah, he doesn't have like a Lex Luger face. <laughs> like Lex Luger's not particularly uh, handsome in my opinion, but Sting looks great. I don't think anybody was looking at Luger's uh, face. Face. Yeah, I don't think so either. They were looking at the total package. package. Yeah. Flair then hits a shot to the ribs to catch Sting off guard, and Sting with a trio of kicks, Irish whips Flair and into a gorilla press slam. We get another Irish whip, and Sting slaps on a bear hug. And I actually wrote, first bear hug we've seen in a few weeks, but that's wrong. Yeah. Because we saw one last week at WrestleMania 4 during the demolition match. And we got 30 minutes left. Stinger goes for a jumping elbow drop, but Flair moves. Irish whips Flair into the corner and goes for another elbow, and Flair moves again. Sting going for the punches in the corner, but Flair counters with an inverted atomic drop. Which also, I don't know if you noticed, but in the NWA, it seems like they only go to a five count on the punches in the corner. While in WWF, they were going to ten. 
Really? If not I, 11. Because Sting always quit at 5. Really? I feel like that there was they do more than 5. It was, or is it just like, depending on the guy? <laughs> I literally thought I only saw 5. I know Sting yeah. only went to 5. Yeah, yeah. He never did the full 10. All definitely. Like I, was ex- like I was expecting. I mean, in to. earlier shows, like earlier NWA shows, I feel like sometimes they would just do like seven or eight. It's like there wasn't really any rhyme or reason until like the crowd started starts counting, and then yeah, they're like, then okay, they're, oh, we okay, should keep going. Yeah, it's like this gets a reaction. Flair then drags Sting to the outside and whips him into the guardrails. And once they're back in the ring after some chops, Flair whips Sting first into the turnbuckles multiple times. Back of Sting, we get multiple jumping knee drops and then rakes of the back. Because it's a, Back scratcher? Yeah. And Flair is in complete control. And we have 25 minutes left. Grabs the chair away. Flair with some chops, but Sting starts screaming and no-selling. Sting with a big right hand to send Flair over the top rope. And it was momentum that carried Flair over, so it's not a disqualification. I know you'd like that one. <laughs> Sting goes for the clothesline, but Flair moves, and Sting hits the ring post. Firing up to punch. Sting's got that fighting spirit. He's like, grrr, with that fist, right? Closed fist, which allows Flair to pull Sting down by his rat tail. Sting hops right, punching away. And we get an arm drag and a clothesline. Two count. Flair and Deathlock, but they're too close to the ropes. 20 minutes left. Flair fought, and Sting covers, but Rick gets his foot on the rope. An arm drag and over the top rope to the floor. Flair guillotine Sting, but Sting no sell crossbody. Sting no sells a lot. <laughs> he, he does, indeed. Shin breakers, and Rick starts working on Sting's legs. We also get a back suplex. Flair gives another, woo, and locks on the figure four. Pretty awesome. Screams at him, and then rolls it over, because we know that is gold. Flair once they get back up from the the figure. Why did they break the... F- yeah, because, like, Sting flipped it back over, and I feel like that it just kind of... Well, because Flair's going to release the hold because all the pressure's on oh, his legs. Yeah. Flair's on the apron and goes to attempt a suplex over the top rope, but Sting reverses it into the ring. Sting attempts a splash, but Flair gets his knees up, and then Sting puts Flair in an abdominal stretch, and we have ten minutes left. I love it when somebody, like, comes off the rope right into an ab stretch. Just everything, you know, all the momentum just like stops, and it makes it look, uh, look makes it look like it hurt, hurts. Flair escapes out of the ab stretch with the hips, and then Flair goes to the top rope, but Sting press slams him for a two count. Yeah, he's like Sting's fed up. He's like, "Why won't this guy go down?" So he so he starts doing some heel shit. Sting lets it go for some reason and begins yelling at J.J. Dillon high above the ring. Yeah, I know Sting at some point yells anything. like, do you, know, do you know how to party or what? Like, was he talking to the, just the crowd? Like, be like, yo, you guys are lit? <laughs> I have no... Sting then starts Yelling. working on Flair's leg and then tosses Flair to the turnbuckle and we get the Flair to the floor. And JR says, he's never seen anything like... like except for every, every match single, that every, Flair does. Every Ric Flair match. Working in JR. <laughs> Sting then slams Flair's head on the judge's table and then on the ring post and then falls over the guardrail. Flair climbs up the apron and gives a shoulder block to the gut of Sting and then attempts to set flip. But Sting stays up and punches down. Yeah, Sting's just like, nah. I don't think- Sting again with the punches in the corner 
and Flair comes out with an inverted atomic drop, but Sting knows the pin, but Flair gets his foot on the ropes again. An Irish whip to send Flair to the turnbuckle, and Sting goes for a stinger splash. But Flair moves, and Sting goes sailing over the ropes. Sure. Once back in the ring, Flair locks a sleeper onto Sting, but he escapes immediately by flinging Rick off his back into the turnbuckle, which gets us another Flair flop. And Flair is busted open. I'm not sure exactly when. Yeah, I was trying to figure out when it happened to him. But this is the first time I think I've noticed that he that he had a little bit of blood in his hair. Yeah. Flair then tosses Sting. Do you think it was hard way, or do you think that they bladed on oh, television? I'm sure he bladed. I know. I mean, but it, Flair's the same way as Dusty and Koloff. Like, literally, you look at him wrong. Yeah. bust open. But I just I wasn't sure, because I was like, it's on TV, so I didn't feel But they also had barbed wire. But I was like, they probably aren't going to blade on cable. I, but I don't know. Don't know. Flair then tosses Sting to the floor, but he's right back up to the apron, where Sting gives a shoulder block and goes for a sunset flip. We have two minutes left. Flair catches himself on the sunset flip attempt and goes down with his knees on the shoulders of Sting, grabbing the ropes for leverage, but the ref sees it and knocks his hands off the ropes, which the momentum is so great that Sting is able to flip Flair over for the pin to count. Flair is then tossed into the corner, which he flips over, does this over-the-top rope flip spot again, but lands on the apron this time, Runs to the next turnbuckle, goes off the top rope for what was probably supposed to be a crossbody. <laughs> yeah. But it came out more like a double axe handle. Flair's not but, the best at jumping off of things. But they somehow make it work. Yeah. Because they they hit, like he lands like mm-hmm. almost like a double knee to the chest kind of move. Yeah. But they make it work somehow and Sting uses the momentum to roll over on top. One... Two, Flair gets his shoulder up. We get some chops and kicks by Flair. Sting's completely no-selling at all. One minute left. Sting gives Flair punches in the corner. 45 seconds. Stinger splash and then rolls Flair over into the Scorpion Deathlock. All he's got to do is make Flair tap. 30 seconds. 15 seconds. Flair's just screaming. Screaming. (laughs) 10 seconds. Five, four, three, three two, two, one. I don't have a bell. Ding, 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 ding. So we get the time limit draw yeah. as Flair doesn't submit, and it's now up to the judges. So Damn JJ's being judges. lowered from the cage while the ref's rounding up the judges' scorecards, and the ring announcer has the scorecards and he starts announcing them. It says Patty Mullins, our penthouse pet of the year, goes for Flair. I bet she's rode Space Mountain a time or two. Gary Jester, our NWA board of director, scores it for Sting. Sandy Scott, another NWA for, a former NWA wrestler, judges it as a draw. <sighs> so then the announcer says that the decision is a draw, so Flair keeps his title. Hey, Michael Temple, weren't there two other judges? There was. Also... Why judges? Why can't it just be, a, you know, time limits up so it's a draw? Why does there have to be judges? Exactly. It, it just, so if, like, if it you're, you're going to do, if the match has to have a winner, yeah, and you're going to do this judges thing, and then, then it's a draw. it needs to be, Flair needs to win the scorecards to keep the belt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can't be like, no, it's a draw. Also, if you do that, scorecard. then everyone can do the thing where it's like, ah, oh, Sting was robbed, blah, blah, blah. Because, like, Sting is obviously the... 
This is a star-making turn for yeah. It's a, it's Sting. like Sting looks. They they make him look amazing. Like he knows sells like Rick really does a great job of like letting Sting be the the man. This match was fucking fantastic. I mean, it's just you like the, the, the end is. I literally just thought of this, but the parallels between this and WrestleMania four even though they're on the same night, mm-hmm. and you kind of have the biggest star in the company yeah, helping put over the new, new. young guy. Yeah. In this show, though, the top guy keeps the belt. In the other show, but he, but the, he still nobody... Put, but he still puts yeah. over... Well, the belt was vacated in the other show, but that's just because but Hogan, Hogan wasn't still, gonna, But Hogan was, still yeah. was... He was being like, cheer for Macho. He was, yeah. he was helping pump the new top guy up basically that's that's kind of where i'm at in the yeah yeah totally wow sting making a name for yourself it, the future of the 90s hope so uh you know what the only bad thing sting's ever done break his leg oh yeah that's a bummer but which we'll see in a couple weeks <laughs> yeah they but uh grow that damn soul patch you're too handsome for a soul patch sir but that's like way later of course it fits him. Yeah. I'm still... I feel like he was so wasted as, like, the crow sting. It's, like, really great, great character. But put it on somebody that can't work as well. The soul patch? No, no, no. The, like, we, like the, the gimmick. Oh, the, the whole, the, the the whole the crow gimmick. The, the whole crow gotcha. gimmick. It's like, because I want to see him in the fucking ring. But it we, we'll, just, it'll be a while before we get there. But I'm just saying, there. like, I love my, my Bleach Bond surfer sting. Uh, surfer sting you know, is the best. Cutting a rug in the goddamn ring. Like he just did for 45 minutes with the Nature Boy. But you know what else was good? Uh, could it be another? 1989 <laughs> Flair. Yes. We've talked lots and lots mm-hmm. about 1989 yeah. being the year of Flair. If we did the a... year of NWA. Yes. You know. If we just did a, a, a year of 1989 in the United States, it would just all be Flair matches, right? For the most part. Yes, it would mostly. Be. It would mostly. It would be if it was ten. We might get a one Luger or a Steamboat match. Yeah, yeah. But like, if it was just eighty nine, there'd be if there was we did ten matches, like five to six of them would probably be Flair, and then we'd be like, at okay, least, at least. Five. Well, those are the matches. At least, five. at least five. Yeah, and that might have been like the only like <laughs> matches he had that year that were like you know big television match or you know pay per view matches. But. Everyone knows in 1989, or you know, if you've been following along with us, you know that Flair and Steamboat had the trilogy of matches. Yes, but we were like, let's not put all three of them on this show. That'll make this show super long, and we don't want it to be super long. We just kind of so we yeah. decided to pick our favorite one. Yeah, and they're like I said, they're all good, but we both were like two, right? The second one from Clash of the Champions 6 is what we consider the creme de la creme of the trilogy. Yes, and this is, yeah, like Steamboat basically back after leaving the WWF. He left the WWF. He's basically been on the sidelines for a year and a half or so. He comes back in here. Flair has directly into a big. And been like, hey, come and be in these matches with me. And all three of them are spot on. You should go watch all three of them. But. But For all intents and purposes. The second one, like I said, from Clash 6, is the one we chose to add to this show. And the only bad thing about these three matches? Steamboat promos. 
Yes. We know he loves his family. We do. We're that, glad he loves his. I'm glad, I'm glad he loves that his. That is his gimmick. Yes. I'm glad he loves his family. Plenty of uh, wrestlers weren't too good to their families back then. <laughs> so it's nice to know their that uh, <laughs> that there's uh, you know people out there with a heart of gold that can uh, also wrestle everyone under the table. But let's go ahead and head off to New Orleans and hear what we thought about it then. So we're headed off to our eighth match. It's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat in a two out of three falls match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Now, can you not be excited about a team up like this? I'm super excited. I mean, the match at Chi-Town Rumble. Wonderful. Awesome, awesome match. Let's see how this one does. But we get the Ric Flair with the... He gets his laser name, but he's got... This is where he's... Oh Rick. yeah, there is a K. That's awesome. And that's not how you spell Ric no, Flair. No, all right, I see. But the uh, he gets the the uh, ladies intro. Like I feel like he had the ladies intro started pretty recently. Like maybe end of eighty eight. Yeah. Early eighty nine. Little Dragon actually has an actual dragon costume on as oh, he comes yes. out. I love, like the so family. Super it's cute. super cute. Like the family aspect of Ricky is. Like, it's super cute for the babyface thing. It's just a shame that he can't cut a promo to save his life. You know what else is a shame? What? That Bonnie, his wife, like, actually had his name and ex- an appearance, like, trademarked and held him, kept him from being able to use his real name and stuff after they divorced. Rick Steamboat? Yeah. Jesus, that's rough. What did he What did he do to piss her off? <laughs> you get divorced. You yeah, do. so something changed, so he's, yeah. Get that prenub. As long as Little Dragon's okay. Terry Funk joins JR at the announce table for this match. Instead, uh, and so can Michael, you think of a more like sultry voice to have on your live television show on commentary than Terry Funk? Jesse Ventura? <laughs> Jesse Ventura's got such a... No, I'm just saying like Terry Funk's got that voice. Like he's like got... Like cancer in his throat. It's just like this the whole time. It's like you know, Mick Foley was just as mankind was just him doing an impersonation of Terry <laughs> Funk's real life voice and just like dialing it up to eleven. So as the match starts, we get Flair is pushed back into the corners and Flair pushes Steamboat off of him, but Ricky retaliates with a quick slap to the face, which the crowd just kind of like. Ooh. I mean, these guys chop the shit out of each other. Yeah, they do. Uh, also, it's. Like, Flair's starting to get, like, a smattering of be- uh, boos and cheers instead yeah. of, like, you know, for the longest time it was just, like, all boos, even if they were, you know, boos, just, like, you know, sometimes you boo the guy because you're like, he's the heel, like, I want him to go over because I like him, so you boo him for being a good heel, but uh, I don't know if they did that back then, <laughs> so it was not like you start to hear the cheers for, for the Ric Flair because he's Ric fucking Flair. The two men swap amateur moves until they make it to the corner, and again we have a Nature Boy shove and a steamboat slap. And then JR throws some shade at Hogan and Savage by saying, any other athletes competing for a major championship that are in better condition on April 2nd. <laughs> he even drops April 2nd. That's awesome. Flair's running the ropes, Ricky with a hip toss and locks on a side headlock. The two men trading chops until Steamboat hits a hip toss, a head scissor takedown, and a drop kick of Nature Boy before going right back to the side headlock. It's like prime Steamboat like combo. So all these headlocks seem like they are just rest moves, but both men are continuously working, so they're never really dull. Like, no. Like, 
Steamboat would have Flare in the side headlock, but all of a sudden, but Flair like, Flair would like roll Steamboat over onto yeah. his shoulders for a two count or something, and it would just keep they're going very, back and they're forth. They're very active, like very active rest holds. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're not really rest holds if you keep rolling each other up, or if like they're more wear down. Moves. There you go. And there's like, I mean, it's a two or three falls match, so you know that the amount of like two counts in this match are through the roof and you'd be surprised with how much how many more there is than through the roof actually like you know would would make you think i think there's like a good 10 in a row at some point later one point (laughs) we get more trading of chops when ricky irish whips flair to the turnbuckle who then walks into a back body drop high up into the air followed by a drop kick and we have the 10 minute call in this 60 minute match nature boy is calling the ref over but then delivers a cheap shot to steamboat Flair Irish whips Ricky, who slides under the nature boy, and then pushes him into the ropes and grabs a schoolboy roll-up for a two-count. Jarrah lets us know that there are two more championship matches still to come. Or are there? Well, I guess we'll have to keep watching and find out. Clothesline by Steamboat. Flair looks to have lifted Ricky up for a suplex, but Steamboat reverses into a high headlock takeover. Another big chop from Ricky, and we get a flare flop and Steamboat goes for the cover for a near fall. Inverted atomic drop from the Nature Boy, but Ricky comes back with a chop, multiple shoulder tackles, another chop, but every time Flair goes to the map, Steamboat goes for a cover. Both men trading chops, punches, forearms, until the Nature Boy rolls to the apron. Ricky brings Flair back into the ring with a vertical suplex and looks to hit a splash, but Natch gets his knees up. Flair with chops, a snapmare, a double stomp on Steamboat's chest. The double stomp was uh, nice. A nice little surprise. It's like, oh. Double underhook suplex for multiple two counts. Nature Boy keeps attempting to just push Ricky's shoulders to the mat until Steamboat kips up and begins to overpower Flair. The two men trade kicks, chops. Ricky hits a hip toss and goes for a drop kick that misses Flair. Flair looks to lock on the figure four, but Steamboat cradles him up for a small package for a two count. But Flair reverses into an inside cradle of his own for the pin. And Ric Flair wins the first fall. First fall. And they do that. They actually do the 60 second like separate, which I feel like you should do in a two or three falls match. They also probably took a commercial break. They definitely took a commercial break. But it's one of those things like I feel like you should restart the match every time there's a fall. I agree. I I like that. Otherwise, it's just like... "Mm." Then it's not really two or three falls. You just, you know, keep beating the guy while he's down. So we're back from commercial, and Flair's tossed to the ropes, hits a shoulder tackle, leapfrog by Steamboat, followed by a press slam. But yeah, well, the thing is, before all of that, when they come back from the commercial, there's a stare down between the guys before they start going at each other. And I think that's one of the things that adds to the two of three falls. It's like, okay, we both kind of got a clean slate. We're both worn out, but I've seen some where they don't do that. That's all. So I appreciated it. Ricky goes to the top rope and hits a big chop for a two count. A back suplex running knee drop by the Nature Boy. Flair goes for another running knee drop, but the dragon moves and begins to pound away on the leg of Nature Boy. Ricky locks in a, the figure four, but Flair makes it to the ropes to break the hold. When, yeah, Ricky doing a figure four. Is always, it's always nice when anybody does a figure four that's not a figure four guy. Steamboat pulls Nature Boy away from the ropes and tries to put the figure four on again. But Flair kicks him away to the ropes, but the dragon comes right back and turns Nature Boy over into a Boston Crab. And Flair makes it under the ropes 
under the ropes to break the hold. You can do that in the NWA. You can. But um, there's a thing later? Okay. Steamboat hitting <laughs> multiple falling fists, but Nature Boy fires back with chops. Flair gets Ricky into a side headlock, which is reversed into a head scissors by the dragon, which is reversed into a jackknife pin attempt by Natch, which is bridged out of by Steamboat into a backside pin for a two count. Nature Boy rolls out of the ring, grabs and drags Ricky to the floor. There's, there's some lady that yells at them as soon as they roll out, and I assume she's yelling at Flair because, you know, he's the, the heel, heel. But she, yeah, it's real for her, and I like it. She's like pointing, pointing that finger. And I just would love to know what she said. I'm sure it was not very nice. Flair shoves Steamboat into the guardrail, a power slam, and then an Irish whip into a guardrail. And we get the 30-minute call. Flair brings the dragon back into the ring with a stalled vertical suplex for a two-count, and then an Oklahoma crossbody for continuous two-counts, including using leverage from his feet on the ropes. I wish there was like a, na- a quicker way to say what that is. It's like, ah, oh, the, the foot spot, leverage spot. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll come up with something like Rubber Band Slam for that. You should. <laughs> we get a back suplex attempt by the Nature Boy, but Steamboat floats over and gets a two count from a schoolboy attempt. Jackknife pin attempt. Chops and an Irish whip by Ricky, but he ducks his head, allowing Flair to punt him and chop him for a two count. Nature Boy's up to the top rope, but the dragon is there with punches and chops for Flair to crotch himself. Ricky then climbs up the ropes, hits a superplex, Mm -hmm. chops and forearms to Flair's back before lifting him up into a double chicken wing, which causes Natch to submit for the first time in his career. That's amazing. I didn't. Re- did they say that on the thing? That it was the first time he ever submitted. They did say it. Oh well, I didn't remember. But yeah, the chicken wing. It's cool. We usually nowadays when you see a double chicken wing, they usually do the like face face plant like. Yeah, like, they'll sit, like sit, they'll, like it's almost like a double chicken wing sit out power bomb. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I was totally expecting. No, that would have been pretty brutal for the. And time. then, and then all of a sudden, just like. No, he's just he's just holding there, yeah. and all of a sudden he like I. You know, I give up or I yeah. Quit Rick or... sells it well, and it's there's something great about a like there's a difference between like tapping out with your hand and like having to actually say like fucking yeah. I'm done and yeah. like so it just kind of it really amps up it yeah it it makes it mean more to me if yeah, they actually have to say it, it's like oh they can't even they they don't even have the ability to like technically tap out especially because he's not even anywhere near the mat. So now the match is tied at one fall apiece. Commercial break. As we come back from commercial, Nature Boy escapes an ab stretch by raking Steamboat's eyes, and we get a flare flop. Nature Boy goes for the legs of Steamboat from behind, but Ricky comes back with chops. After an Irish whip to the corner, Flare stumbles out into a back body drop from the dragon. Nature Boy, with a shin breaker, kicks Ricky to the mat and locks on the figure four. But Steamboat quickly makes it to the ropes. Flair starts pushing the ref, but Tommy Young pushes him right Hell back. yeah, Tommy. Tommy don't take no shit. Nature Boy continues to work on the leg of the dragon, but Ricky comes back with chops, tossing Natch to the opposite corner for the Flair flip, but he lands on the apron, runs to the next corner, but uh, Steamboat beats him there and clotheslines him to the mat. I love it. Like, yeah, it's like the he, he's got, he, he, he knows Flair. They've done this before, and I like I love it when it's done. I mean, they always say, they always have to say it on commentary or whatever. But it's nice 
when you actually you, see yeah, it. Yeah, when you when you see it and you don't have to like if you if you've watched then you know and it makes sense like when it makes sense in the match and like you get the callback without somebody without them having to tell you is nice, but I get why they tell you cuz you know, why why else, your first why else are they there exactly? But uh, when he's working that leg, he's doing those those flare knees. You know, the running flare knee, where it's like yeah. where he does. It's like very like his whole body looks like a fish hook. He like pulls up and then like drops like his like shin across you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love those, and nobody does them like him. And I don't think anybody could or should. I'm sure somebody has. They do like, but it's like oh, like that's very uniquely like flare. And I just like I love that. That that weird little fucking move, and he does it all the time. So <laughs> lucky me. Nature Boy with a double leg takedown and goes for a cover with leverage, but Ricky continues to get his shoulder up multiple times. Chops in the corner before sending Steamboat to the opposite corner, where Ricky jumps on the second rope, comes off with a chop, but Flair moves. The Dragon then charges into a boot from the Nature Boy in the corner, and we've hit the forty-minute mark. Ricky reverses the flare Irish whip, charges in, but Natch moves, and Steamboat goes knee first into the turnbuckle. Nature Boy flings That's bad. The... That's how that's how we get a figure four. That's right. <laughs> I don't like that. Nature Boy flings the dragon off the ropes, hits another running knee drop, and starts yanking on the knee before locking on the figure four once again. Steamboat finally rolls it over and they roll out to the floor where Nature Boy hits Ricky's leg against the apron. Back in the ring, Steamboat sends Flair to the corner for another Flair flip, runs to the next corner, and comes off with a half crossbody, half Thez press. It was kind of like he couldn't decide what move he wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that. Oh, I've seen I've seen that happen before. Yeah. First crossbody, first episode of the show. Ricky then picks Nature Boy up for a scoop slam, but his leg gives, and Flair lands on top of him for a two count. Fifteen minutes left. A poor, a poor dragon leg. Steamboat's Irish whip ducks a clothesline, returns with a flying headbutt. The dragon goes to the top rope and hits a flying body press, but only a two count. Ricky goes for a jumping elbow drop, but Flair moves. Another Irish whip by the Nature Boy, he ducks his head, and Ricky hits a swinging reverse neckbreaker. Come on, Rick. Flair throws Steamboat to the outside to catch a breather. I gotta catch my breath, too. It's a lot. Shoulder tackle and a sunset flip attempt by Ricky. Nature Boy's trying to stay up, but Steamboat finally gets him down for a two count. Dragon running the ropes, and the Nature Boy jumps on Steamboat's back, locking on a sleeper. The ref is checking on Ricky. Starts, He literally starts walking towards the timekeeper to ring the bell. Yeah. When Steamboat gets his arm up. And the thing is, like in a lot of wrestling, you would see that happen and be like, whatever. This is the NWA, baby. Some shit like that could happen. And exactly. I'm just like kind of nervous for a minute. So Tommy Young actually walks back over where Ricky is, he's like pounding his foot and and all of a sudden Tommy, like if you look at his face, he kind of gives like, I guess he's not finished. Yeah, the... Uh, he kind of does this like little, like shrugs his shoulders. Yeah, like, well, I guess he still wants to go. Dragon's back to his feet, rams Flair's head right into the turnbuckle, which sends him to the floor. Inseguri from Ricky and the fatigue from both men is clearly showing. Ten minutes left in the match. Steamboat to the top rope for a splash, but Flair moves. Nature Boy with chops and punches, working on the leg, but the dragon fires back with a chop, a clothesline, some mounted punches. 
Flair goes for an inverted atomic drop, but Steamboat blocks and hits another clothesline. He goes for the cover, but Natch gets his foot on the ropes. Ricky Irish whips Flair, ducks his head, allowing Nature Boy to hit an elbow to the back of the neck and a back suplex. Six minutes left. Flair up to the top rope, but the dragon is there to press slam him to the mat. Steamboat locks on the double chicken wing again, but his leg gives, so the two men fall to the mat with the Nature Boy on top. The ref counts. One. Mm. Two. Mm. Three. The ref raises Steamboat's arm. Flair grabs Young, starts to explain that he had his foot under the ropes, but to no avail. But we see a replay from the ref side. Yeah, yeah. We see the, the same. It's, I like that. Can, so can, can you tell if Ricky got his shoulder up? Because it didn't no, look like it. No, no. But they're getting better at like actually planning out the finish. It's like, oh, you have a different angle? Cool. And you have it ready to play? Like, oh, you have some thought here. So we go to the back. JR's there with Ricky. Mm -hmm. And Ricky's like, I'm ready to move on to other contenders. But then JR shows a replay to the dragon. And he's like, well, I guess if that happened. And we see a reverse angle. Yeah. Steamboat sees the leg and knows that Flair was right. Mm -hmm. That he did get his foot under the ropes. And we know that Steamboat... Not only do we know that Steamboat's a stand-up guy, but we know that, like... He benefited from that throughout the match as well. I mean, Flair's the only one that got Oh, no, I guess you're right. Yeah, Flair Yeah, Flair was under the rope. But he knows the rules. It's NWA. And JR, like, puts his hand to his ear and says, What's I'm this? hearing that Nature Boy's being irate and yelling at Jim Hurd in the locker room. He's, he's mad. Like, yeah, why wouldn't he be? He lost his title. Well, he... Like, he you know, sorry. He wasn't he won- the winner. Yeah, yeah. Or he wasn't the champion. He wasn't the champion, yeah. The foot was under the rope. The foot was definitely under the rope. What a finish. It's it's a there's a reason it's on the list, Matt, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's the reason we both agree. But that match set up obviously the third and final match. Mm-hmm. And Flair won that one. Oh, yes. But you, you should go Spoiler watch it anyway. Alert. Still very it's good. Still very good. because it, it plays on a lot of the things that are built in the second match. Yeah. Third. So it built each each match built on each other. But at the It's end, a trilogy of like Flair's Trilogying the shit out of the 80s. Yes. But at the end of the third match, Terry Funk gets in the ring to congratulate Flair for his win. Yes, he does. And what is this? What happens here, Matt? But then Funk decides that he wants this shot at the title and pile drives Flair through a table. Is this the most brutal thing we've seen that does not involve blading? Yes. I think so. I think it might be. It very much does. And it's that it's that something about that Terry Funk pile driver where he like just falls back with you. Just looks nastier than a regular looks pile driver. So dirty. It's very dirty. It's sloppy, but it's Terry Funk. It's supposed to be. But that leads us right into our next match at Great American Bash 1989. And uh, who's in this match? Terry Funk, <laughs> Ric Flair, uh, and there is not a technical move. In this match at all? No, and it's not. It's not even. It's not even considered. It's not even like street fight rules or anything. No, it's just that the intensity between the two guys and like Terry Funk can do wrestling. He doesn't have to brawl. No, he does not. I mean, he's not fucking Sting. He's also, you know, probably like forty now. He's up there in age. 
I mean, I yeah, I looked it up the other day and because he like, was, in twenty nineteen he he's seventy five, and I was like, he's only seventy five. Well, that would have made him forty five. Yeah, that's still fucking years. crazy. Yeah, Great American Bash. I'm gonna throw it out there. We talked about Wrestling Classic being one of our favorite mm-hmm. shows earlier. Great American Bash 1989 is definitely my favorite show that we have covered in the 40 episodes that we've done so far. What else is on that show? My, you know, my memory is terrible. The two ring King of the King of the ba- Hill Battle Royal. We get a Flying Brian oh, yeah. match. Is this where Teddy Long uh, and the skyscrapers show up? Teddy Long and yeah. the skyscrapers yeah, show yeah. up. We get the Polly Dangerous Cornet Tuxedo oh, match. Yes, this match, this, this show is very good. Steiner Brothers. You know how I feel about the Steiner Brothers. We it's get Muda and Sting. Like, remember the worst thing about this entire show was the finish to the Muda and Sting match. That was like the worst thing. And it still was good. For like, Muda, Muda comes in and he's nothing but hot. And then they just don't let it happen. And it's bullshit. I mean, obviously he had to go back to Japan, but like, there's Muda signs like the second, the, like the, the first second sh- show that we watch yeah, with him. Yeah, on. yeah, maybe even the first one because I, I think he did some TV. Like, was he doing squashes on television? Probably. Yeah. But that leads us all to this Funk Flare brawl for the main event of Great American Bash. That's so much fun. Like I said, not a whole lot of technical moves but it's still but there's still it's still like every other flare match we've talked about where everything matters and then at the end of that match they do a setup for the next pay-per-view which the setup is great yes because funk and muda mm-hmm. start brawling with sting and flare for like 10 minutes for good 10 <laughs> and minutes. it's to the point where it's funny but it's also kind of awesome and it sets up Halloween Havoc. We won't talk about that match. I'm, yeah, Sour here. Grapes. It's definitely, not, it's definitely not getting any praise on this show. How excited were you for that show? But the Halloween... We were super pumped <laughs> for that Halloween Havoc show. Yeah. And then it let us down completely. It was in a cage. And I don't even know if anything happened in that match. Uh, too much. Outside of a cage match. lowering. Too much happened in that match. Ugh. But enough about that. Let's hear about this Funk Flare match. So we're headed off to our ninth match. Terry Funk with Gary Hart versus Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Funk is accompanied to the ring by a bunch of security guards. I'm assuming because everyone hates him. Does he have his branding? He does have his branding. And he's got like his like blue, um, what are those called? Poncho. He's got his poncho, but is he wearing like the the leg things? I'm only a half-assed hillbilly. It's like chaps. He's got some like chaps. Oh on. yeah, it's chaps Probably on. Probably blue chaps yeah. on, yeah. But he's getting booed pretty hard. People are trying to touch him. Probably because of people trying to hold him back from being touched. So We then get a waterfall of pyro as Flair <laughs> that waterfall comes button. out. And then is joined by four lovely ladies. And the two men start brawling on the outside. Well, it's one fall to a finish, by the way. It is. Yeah. It's not just one fall in 60 minutes. It's just to a finish. To a finish. There's no time limit. One fall to a finish sounds nice. That's all. That's all I'm getting at. It doesn't really matter. It's always 60 minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. But one fall to a finish. So the two men start brawling on the outside. Flair's back in the ring styling and profiling. Hell yeah. Funk walking around the ring when Rick comes from behind with a double axe handle from the apron. Terry ends up flinging a chair into the ring, but but the ref kicks it out. And they finally lock up in the ring, and we get a chop party. 
Flair with a chop that sends Funk to the outside and delivers another axe, double axe handle from the apron. Terry rams Rick's head into the ring post, and Funk brings Flair back into the ring with a vertical suplex. Yes. This shit is hot. He goes for another suplex, but Nature Boy blocks and rolls out of the ring. But Terry starts working on the neck of Flair. Why wouldn't he? You gave him a pile driver. Might as well start working on it now. Oh yeah, pile driver. We talked about it. Rick's back up on the apron, hits a headbutt, lifts Funk up for a suplex, but loses his grip, and both men are down on the outside. More chops, punches, eye rakes from both men. Terry sets up for the pile driver, but Flair backbody drops Funk over the ropes to the outside. Jesus, man. This is like fucking true nasty strong style shit. Yes. Like, we have watched enough Flair matches. Mm Mm-hmm. And then this match started, and it kind of... You watch enough of the matches of a single yeah. person, you're going to be like, okay, well, there's the greatest hits. Yeah, yeah, there's the greatest like, hits. Okay, yeah. he's going to do that, he's going to do that. No, this is a fucking fight. This is a fight. <laughs> yeah. There is no, like, wrestling. No, like, it is a fight. There is... He, there, like, changed his style for this match. There is definitely, like, psychology to what's happening here. Mm-hmm. But it is a fucking brawl. And there is wrestling moves... But it is seriously like a fucking blood feud. Nature Boy starts working on Terry's neck by twisting it, hitting multiple running knee drops for a two count. Flair hits multiple pile drivers on Funk, but Terry rolls out of the ring and starts crawling down the entry. I couldn't believe the pile drivers that early. Natch tosses Funk back in the ring and we get a... Terry fires back with punches, but Flair hits a running forearm, a back suplex, and locks on the figure four. It's all nothing but, like, it's either punches or power moves. Yeah. It's suplexes. Suplexes into the ring, like, fucking knee drops onto a body part to set up a figure four or a spinning toe hold, which is a big funk move. Gary Hart then puts Funk's branding iron next to him and then distracts the ref for Terry to hit Rick with it. <sighs> And Flair is busted open in Baltimore, where we had issues in Baltimore before, I believe, haven't we? Lex Luger getting disqualified for a mm, cut over his head. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. That was in Baltimore. Didn't like that. Where's the athletic commission now? I'm too busy trying to make that money, baby. We haven't seen blood in a while from an NWA show. Not real ass blood. I think the only other blood we've seen since the Luger thing was the. Wyndham Luger match in yeah. Wyndham's hand. Yeah, but like, it's been a little while. They've cleaned up the whole like blood every match because that was a big running joke for a while. Yeah. It's like, oh, so like the every match starts with color, and this one makes sense because it's a fucking fight, and like it's a tire iron, and like it looks it looks good, and like that. Yeah, they don't have tire iron, but it's the branding iron. But the branding iron looks like you know. It's thin, it's strong, and it will break your skin. Funk hits a pile driver on Nature Boy for the pin, and Flair has his foot on the rope. Terry goes to the floor, starts removing the pad from around the ring. Hell yeah. Funk then chokes Rick with the tape from around his wrist and goes for a pile driver on the floor, but Flair reverses it into a back body <laughs> dr- Back in the ring, Terry hits multiple swinging neck breakers, left hands to the cut above the eye, and slams his head into the turnbuckle. Grabs the branding iron, but Flair low blows him and picks up the iron himself to hit Funk over the head. 
Terry is rammed face first into the post, and now Funk is busted open in, in Baltimore. Baltimore. Who, who dug deeper? <laughs> like Flair? No, no, no. Who? Like no, like Terry's blade job is so much more immediately deeper, and he just starts bleeding way harder. I feel like. I mean, both of them. Both of them are bleeding. Just, literally, but like, just like hit their forehead and probably start bleeding. Yeah, but like I feel like Funk like. He bled a little more, and I was like, oh, like, he just dug in a little harder. But, I mean, I don't know. I've never cut myself, let alone uh, in front of a bunch of people. But I was like, damn. Like, this was a this was like a dusty Abdullah job where Flair's, like, kind of dried up. And, like, it, it, it didn't turn into, like, a Steve Austin, like, Bret Hart deal. I mean, Flair's hair is covered. His face is covered. It is. But, like... I feel like it kind of cleared up a little bit. I, I mean, it was early in the match. I mean, yeah, not yeah. Conti- no one continues to bleed. People do continue to bleed if they fuck it up. But well, he doesn't fuck it up because he he's doesn't because he's Rick Flair. Yeah, he's Rick Flair. He's not. We get mounted punches by Nature Boy. Starts working on the cut of Funk. Flair with a running knee to the corner, but Terry moves, so Rick hits knee first into the turnbuckle. Funk goes for a spinning toehold, but Rick trips him and goes for a figure four. But Terry grabs him into the small package for the pin, and Flair reverses it into an inside cradle for the win. Were you ready for it? I was not ready for <laughs> Wait, it. Yeah. I was totally expecting it to go much longer. Yeah, but the thing is, but it was still enough. Oh, it was totally enough. It was so good. Yeah, like, it's really, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll hold off. We'll finish the show. There's more to talk about. So post-match, Nature Boy nails Gary Hart, and all of a sudden, Muda is there, misting Flair with the green mist. Fuck yes. Funk and Muda start attacking Rick. Muda with the falling title belt to the face. Cherry brings a chair in and sets up for a pile driver on it. Doug Dillinger, the head of WCW security, runs in to prevent it. But gets judo chopped and a spinning heel kick. From and he's Muda. just a guy in a suit. He does not. He's not like right. He's the head of security. He's but he doesn't look like the head of security. But he is. He is. Yeah. Like I get it. But it's, it's Doug like, Dillinger. But he looks like a guy in a suit. But I was like, oh, okay. All of a sudden, Sting runs in, Woo! brawling with both men. Flares up. Everybody's brawling. Funk and Muda are tossed from the ring. Flair and Sting high five. In the ring, but yeah, Muda rolls pop. back in, but Hart gets him out of the Dude, ring. Dude, Muda, Muda's work for this brawl—he just keeps everybody going. Yeah, it's amazing. This is like the one of the best like post-match brawls I think I've ever seen. It was really good, and we're not done. No, of course we're not. I'm just saying. Funk tosses the chair back in the ring, and everyone starts brawling down the entryway. Jr. is telling us that. The World Television Championship has been held up due to the controversy and start talking about it. Do we about even care it. about this? <laughs> and everyone just starts brawling right in front of Bob and JR. Yeah. Sting hits Muda with a chair. Funk with the branding iron on Flair. Oh, man. Rick with the branding iron on Muda and Terry. Sting starts choking Muda with a guard rope yes. on the entryway. And there's like a point where like he's like where I think JR is like, uh, are we done now? <laughs> like He says something along those lines. So are we finished yet? And they're like, I guess not. And they're obviously like kind of annoyed. But like, it's amazing. This brawl goes on for like 
the rest of the show. Seven or eight minutes. Yeah. It's, they won't let it stop. They're just, like, w- like wearing out the clock. And they're trying to talk. Like, they think they even try to, like, do some interview stuff. And it gets inter- well, they finally intervened. finally kind of clears up. And Flair's starting to walk past JR and Bob. Yeah. And so JR grabs him. He's like, hey, let me talk to you. For-. And Flair goes, I've never said thank you in ten years. But thank you, pal. To, and he says that to Sting. Yeah. And he goes, Terry Funk, we've just started. And the thank you to like Sting is fucking somehow like good. It's like it's like oh, when Ric Flair says, "I've never said thank you in like ten years," but thank you, Sting, you're like, mm, that's good. That's good. It felt it felt right. Mega powers. Yeah, it's mega powers for sure. But like, how much do you want to see? Like, when this show ends, how hard do you want to see Sting and Ric Flair versus Muda? Terry Funk, so bad. So like, if I told you that a like a month ago, and I was like, "Yo, there's this match, like supposedly it's pretty good. You want to watch it?" You would be like, "Yeah, that sounds cool." But after this show, I want to watch it. Like I, after I finished it, I was like, "Fuck, does this exist?" I wanted to look it up, but I was like, "No, I just have to wait it and find out." Exist. Fuck me. I hope it's as good as it. I want it to be. It won't be as good as I want it to be, but it'll be good. I haven't been this pumped for a, a tag match in a long time. And, and I Sol- like tag matches. Soli has a great line as the fight's kind of ending. If that's the beginning, I can't wait to see the end. Yes. And it's like, oh, who wrote that for you? You genius little boy. That's exactly. perfect. Well, that was uh, a lot. So much. <laughs> it was a lot. So much there. And... Like we, saying, like we were saying, it, it leads, leads into, into Halloween Havoc. Yes. Not a good match. It's a, there's a lot of cool guys in there. Not it's. I, I hate to say it's skippable. The idea was there. The execution wasn't. There was, it's like they called it in the ring or something. Bad idea for a cage match. Bad idea with four guys in it. I mean, they did that back then. And it just, it, like I said, but execution, yeah. execution of it wasn't good. Yeah. But it did lead into another match that we really liked, but we're not we're not gonna We talked about it. We had to choose. We we decided we, we had decided to choose. We decided to choose, exactly. How much flair can you take? All you and, got. And we decided this was enough. Yeah. But we did want to mention I quit. That's my Terry Funk. That is your Terry <laughs> Funk. And it was actually a pretty good yeah, Terry yeah, it's Funk. It's pretty easy. It's just... not Bruce Pritchard Terry his Funk. His is good. Yeah. But was he say um, something about fucking his mother or something? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Also, if if you want to watch another Terry Funk flare match, which that's really good, yeah, Clash Nine is out there. I quit match, and neither of us are big fans of I quit matches. A match it's that involves one, a microphone it's, it's is one of just my a least lot. It's a style lot. matches, yeah, but it's definitely up there as uh-huh. one of my favorite matches. It's not we, it's not too far below in our opinions. This other match, exactly. we just we were just like okay, we're gonna do one. Yeah, we, we decided on one. Uh, we only did one steamboat. We're only going to do one. We only did one flare steamboat. Flare match. steamboat. Yeah, and that's what I meant. Let's, flare steamboat. Let's just cut it to one flare funk match. Yeah. So what is the what does that mean? There's so, jumping bomb angels appear twice. Yes. Steamboat appears twice. Yes. Flare appears three times. three times. Sting once, Savage once. Cool. But those are those are your names. Yeah. From you, the yeah. 1980s. Mm-hmm. And. and some of them. I mean, the Jungle Bombers aren't really 19. names. No, but like, there's plenty of other good stuff we've watched. There's plenty of good stuff, plenty of not good stuff. But so these matches are kind of like bottle matches. Like you can just 
put this on in front of somebody, and if they don't like it, then they're probably not going to like wrestling. I would agree with that, yes. Or if there's not something that you can gravitate towards here, then, like, you're never going to, like, not get it. Like, because you either get it or you don't get it. Exactly. You can't really explain it to somebody. They're just going to roll their eyes at you. So do you get it? I get it. Out there, do you guys get it? I know you get get it. it. Yeah. I hope you get it. But next week, we're going to head into the 90s. Woo! With Royal Rumble 1990, which is a one of your favorite shows. Not, not. I don't know if 90 is. We haven't talked about it yet. But I know that you're a Royal Rumble guy. Royal Rumbles is my favorite pay per view. That's crazy, to me. But I, I mean, it's probably from like you being a kid, right? It was just. It's just a a, a thing. It's a. You get to see everybody. Yeah. And so I mean, I, I can't really kid, argue it. Yeah. When you're a kid, you get to see everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, cool. I can see my favorite guy. Yeah. Even if he's not in a match. Yeah, even if your favorite guy is, oh, the why model can't Rick Martel? That's what I was gonna say. I was like, I was gonna say Tito Santana. I was like, well, somebody's favorite guy can be Tito Santana, but nobody's favorite guy is Rick Martel, is it? I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm glad I was. You said the guy I was thinking of. Or simpatico, bro. Yes, baby. Uh, the music from this week's show. Uh, we're gonna play our. Uh, no, you're not gonna do Spotch again, are you? No. Okay. Uh, we're gonna play our bumper music that uh, that we usually have, uh, but we're gonna play the actual actual songs. So to open the show, we played "New Body" by Audio Adrenaline, and about right now you're hearing "Bell Bottoms" by John Spencer Blues Explosion. Oh, okay. I didn't know that we did that. Maybe they're hidden a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll uh, get you to swap that out for that funk song. And if that's the case, you're hearing a Terry Funk song from a Japanese LP. <laughs> If you like this episode or any of our episodes and want to let other people know about it, rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or just wherever you find your podcast at. Yell it from the mountains. Yeah. You know, if you are your only wrestling friend, t- tweet, tweet, tweet us. us. We'll be your wrestling friend. It's hard. I've, uh, I've gotten good at not talking to my friends that don't like wrestling about wrestling as much. And I just save it for Matt here. I try my hardest. To I've, 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 yeah, I try hard. It's not always easy. Because we love wrestling so much. <laughs> I know. But, uh, you know, don't, if you don't, yeah, don't, don't be that guy. Leave your partner alone. Tweet wrestling, uh, H-I-S-T-O-X on, uh, Twitter. Exactly what he said. And we'll talk to you next week. I quit. <laughs>